Welcome to Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the psychological challenges that many successful women entrepreneurs face while building their businesses and how they have overcome them. everybody. I'm so glad to have you here today, and I'm very excited to have my next guest, Minda Wilson, today. Um, when Minda is an author, attorney, serial entrepreneur, and healthcare advocate. As the founder of Fluidity Health, she has overseen the successful development of patient-centric care delivery networks, which represent breakthroughs in care coordination, communication facilitation, and high-volume data exchange. As a recognized expert on the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, she consults with clients regarding implications related to income optimization and compliance. Trained as an industrial engineer with a focus on optimization and problem-solving within large-scale systems, Minda became a successful entrepreneur, creating then and selling two businesses before becoming involved with Fluidity Health. Welcome, Minda. Thank you, Leslie, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Minda, as you know, it takes a lot to be a successful female entrepreneur. And while lots of talk goes into business acumen, I'm really sort of trying to talk about the psychological issues that women can face to achieve that success. And I wanted to kind of look at some of that persistent thoughts that can be negative, that create doubt, undermine success, can impact self-confidence and risk-taking, not to mention sort of general happiness, satisfaction over life. So if we could, I'd like to start a little bit by you telling our, um, our listeners about your growing up. So when I was a, a young woman, my parents thought the road to happiness for a girl was uh, marriage at, to a upwardly mobile man um, and uh, that I would act as his uh, sort of support system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I was trained for that. My parents sent me to uh, classes in etiquette and I learned how to drink tea with mm-hmm. my fingers sticking out and mm-hmm. I learned how to properly walk and set a table for a dinner party. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was, that was their ambition for me. Mm-hmm. So when I got older, I really loved math and, um, I met, uh, a boy, of course I met a boy mm-hmm. who, uh, who was studying engineering and I'd never heard of engineering, but um, when he was telling me about what he was studying, I was so excited. And he was telling me that not only would was it interesting, but when you got out of school, there was a job waiting for you at the end because people wanted to hire engineers. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was fabulous. Mm-hmm. So I told my parents that I was going to engineering school and my parents said, well, if you go to engineering school, 
you'll you'll never get married. No one would ever mm-hmm. want to marry a female engineer. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you decide to do that, you're you're on your own. Mm-hmm. So basically I said, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I I decided to go to engineering school and I did. And what was that experience like? It was fabulous. Mm-hmm. And first of all, um I when I was in school, uh in the entire in my entire year there were only four girls, women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um there were like all these boys and um and so I got a huge amount of attention and help. Whenever I had a problem in a class, there were like 10 people to choose from who would help me with my homework or explain what was going on in class. And I had a lot of fun and I just loved it. It was great. And then the educational part was so interesting, so stimulating. Mm-hmm. I loved that too. Mm-hmm. And I was also lucky because in, in my field that I chose to study, um, the premier uh, professor in that field was a woman named Sheila Greibach. Mm-hmm. So, so I had her and she mentored me through my school. So I was very lucky. Do you think that was part of your ability to go on and become a female entrepreneur, given that you had this female mentor? No, but I think it, when the the other professors were being, the male professors were being cruel and uh, not supportive of me, she sort of acted as a buffer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she could... Um, so I would go to her and she would just say, you know, get over it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of de-escalate it for you. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. this is, the, you're, this is, this is a, like a, a small, uh, microcosm of what life is going to be like. So if you want a career, you're going to go out in the world and not everybody's going to be nice to you. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. learn how to deal with it now and it'll serve you well when you have a job or are working your way up in a a political environment. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you weren't scared of taking on the responsibility to be independent. No. And was, and was that on board for you ever since you can remember, or that was thanks to this boy who showed you the passion for being able to be an engineer? I think from a young age, I knew that if I wanted to take a different path from what my parents wanted for me, mm-hmm. I would have to take care of myself. Like I knew they wouldn't support me in that path. Mm-hmm. So I started working at a very young age, accumulating money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I made sure that I had the tools and skills to have a job and I worked my way through college. So, um, all of that helped. Did you know before you began that you were capable of it? No, but I just knew that it was something I had to do mm-hmm. if I wanted to get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your serial entrepreneur journey. What pushed you to become an entrepreneur when you did? So, uh, I worked for, a a firm, a brokerage firm, and Mm -hmm. I had a wonderful boss, 
and uh, and uh, the head of the firm, and they I worked for the head of the firm, and my boss Charles and his partner Robin offered me the opportunity to become a partner in the firm, and the buy-in was ten million dollars, and I looked at that and I said, you know, I'll never be able to <laughs> accumulate ten million dollars. I was too naive to understand that the firm would help you accumulate that money. Mm-hmm. So, that, so then uh, I, ca- I came back to them with a counteroffer. I said, look, you know, um, someday I'd, I'd really like to be my own boss. And since I don't feel like I'll be able to achieve the buy-in, maybe we could cut a deal so you could be my first customer and you could support me and then I could start my own business and you would be helpful. And so... Mm-hmm. That happened. They did. So they paid for, in my first year, they paid me uh, what they were paying me to work there. And they gave me office space. Mm -hmm. And uh, they gave me secretaries and a phone. um, And they set me up. So uh, a really good way to bootstrap your way into your first business. Yeah. And they were, and they, and they went around telling people what a good job I did for them. So by the time uh, the end of the first year came, I had I had several large customers as clients, and uh, I had a great and they were always there to give me a wonderful reference. So I was mm-hmm. very lucky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You seem like a woman who likes to take risks. You broke your parents' expectation for you, right? And you went yes. out and made a career for yourself. You also worked in banking as a woman engineer um, who you sort of described yourself as a nerd and went in and sort of decided you were going to do that. And then you opened your own business. Tell me how you're able to manage risk. Uh, well, sometimes very well and sometimes not so well. <laughs> and that's part of risk, right? Right, sure. <laughs> yeah. Some days it works out, some days it doesn't. Absolutely. So. You know, I've, I've been lucky and um, I'm persistent. Mm-hmm. You know, when things don't go well, uh, I'm still persistent. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'm always, uh, I'm always trying to figure out how to turn things around when they don't go well and focused on making things work out. Tell me something, where does the persistence come from? I... I don't know. I, I, I'm just like a dog. Oops. Mm-hmm. I'm just like a dog with a bone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you just, I get something and I just have to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to mm-hmm. get it done and I have to have it work out. And the hardest part for me has been when things haven't worked out to say, okay, this is not going to work and let go of it. That's, mm-hmm. that's hard, but you know, that's, Failure is a good teacher. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so you have mm-hmm. to learn from your failures as well as from your successes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you someone who hasn't always felt like she fit in? I don't really fit in. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an unusual bird for my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a career woman in an age where the expectation was marriage um, I, um, I'm a, I'm a female entrepreneur at a time when, uh, 
most women, you know, entrepreneur was a new idea mm -hmm. for women. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the female entrepreneurs that I knew about were like Mary Kay, who mm -hmm. built Mary mm -hmm. Kay Cosmetics. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there weren't any w women Fortune 500 CEOs when I was around. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the Carly Fiorinas and uh, people like that were behind, you know, were uh, are a little younger than me. Mm -hmm. So that hadn't happened yet in large mm -hmm. corporations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they did it in tech, which it was uh, a new, a new world really. Mm -hmm. and, and got in early. So they had the opportunity to sort of rise with the tide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You think it was easier then than it is now or about the same or more or harder? I think it's different. Mm -hmm. So I think what the skills you have to have to be successful now are different. How so? Uh, I think that um, the world has changed since I was building my my businesses. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when I started my first business, uh, there wasn't a PC. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't mm -hmm. a personal computer. Unbelievable, um, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so now technology has made, has made a big difference, how you communicate with people. When I started my business, you could call people on the phone. You mm -hmm. could have real relationships with mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you could get to know people and you work with them. And, and because the communication wasn't as fast, uh, and the expectation of completeness wasn't as compressed, Quick. right? You, you got to know people and you built long-term lasting relationships mm -hmm. like I did with the company that exactly supported me. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I could call on those people today and they would still say good things about me and still support me in anything I tried to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which counts for a lot, especially on those difficult days, right? That you have a, have resources and support to lean back on. I mean, now people are looking for connectedness and it's, it's really how they connect and the kind of relationships they have are really different. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think that's a big difference in how things have changed. Speaking of sort of um, psychological changes, you talk about how selling your first, Im uh, when you sold your first business, it impacted the quality of your life and your time off during your one year non-compete. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about why that was so difficult to not work that year? So um, I sold my first business uh uh, and then I had a not to compete. It was actually for uh, three three years. Okay. So um, at the end, so I stayed home for the first year and got fat. I mean, I was used to <laughs> running a business. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I decided to sell it because I had kids, and my son was two and a half years old, and I had taken him to uh, twenty three states in the United States with me. Mm -hmm. while I worked mm -hmm. and um, 
I realized that if I was going to actually be a mom, a real mom, um, and he was going to have a real life, I, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't the way it, it should work. Mm-hmm. So, um, I decided to sell the business, my first business. I actually sold it to my employees mm-hmm. and they bought it for me. And then, um, and then I thought I'd, you know, should devote my time to being at home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was miserable. Mm-hmm. 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 I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for, uh, you know, cooking and cleaning and, mm-hmm. uh, and having those responsibilities and not having the intellectual companionship that I was used to mm-hmm. and not accomplishing the things that I was used to accomplishing. And the women that I met were, uh, not friendly to me because mm-hmm. I was different. You know, I'd had mm-hmm. a career and they were, their career was being at home and, and we didn't share, I mean, a few people, but, but mo- in the, in the majority, you know, I didn't share a lot of commonality with them in terms of mm-hmm. interests or, uh, so in terms of fitting in, even though we talked about it earlier as being, so you are always kind of sort of felt like you didn't fit in, but of all the places you fit in best, if I understand, is that in being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think there's a work-life balance that people mm-hmm. have. And for me, not having the work part of the work-life balance made me feel unbalanced. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Exactly. And also, it sounds like from your history, independence, taking care of yourself, having stimulating uh, intellectual experiences have also been really important to who you are. And so not working that year, there was a part of you that sort of went dormant for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, I learned I did some interesting things. But you know, I, I learned how uh, I learned how to cook better. And I, uh, you know, did the things I was raised to do. I gave some, we had parties and Mm -hmm, I gave parties, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, um, and I, you know, it wasn't the things that I really were passionately interested in. I tried Mm -hmm. to get involved in, uh, you know, I, I volunteered in, you know, I did charitable activities. I volunteered, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's it. In some ways you got a chance to go back to where your parents had sort of thought it was important for a woman to be. And like before, when you left, um, and went to school for engineering, even though that was something they kind of questioned, it didn't feel any different to your decision to go out and be on your own and be independent years later when you had a year year off. So you made the right path or journey for yourself years earlier. Right. And then the thing was, I always had wanted to go to law school. Mm -hmm. So, and I never had the chance. So during that first year off, I applied to law school and I got in and, um, I went to, uh, UCLA law school Mm -hmm. and, uh, I got to be a lawyer. I got to study law. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, so after the first year, that's what I did. I studied law to write out the last of my not to compete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then once I did that, 
I, uh, I practiced law for a brief period of time and then started my next business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Believe it or not, we are at the end of our time together. And I wanted to tell you, thank you so much, Minda, for being here and sharing with your listeners your motivation for why you became uh, a female entrepreneur many times over. If um, Where can people reach you to learn more about your work? So I am, uh, I've started a company called Fluidity Health, which was uh, born of the experience of being a caretaker for my mom. Mm -hmm. And it provides help and support for people who are managing care for uh, their loved ones, mm -hmm. including their children. And mm -hmm. uh, so they can reach me at minda.wilson at fluidityhealth.com. Um, if they want to learn more about the other work I'm doing, in addition to my business, they can also uh, go to my personal webpage, which is mindawilson.com, and they can reach out to me there. Great. Um, thank you thank so much for having me. Thank you, Minda, very much for your time. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.